Hello, everybody, and welcome to Simply Sport Content Podcast. I am delighted to be joined by my guest today, James McAloon. Uh, James McAloon is a football coach based in Vietnam. Uh, he has been in a, n- a number uh, of countries around Asia, including South Korea, Bangladesh, and right here in Vietnam. He is the technical director of Rising Stars Football Academy here in Ho Chi Minh City, and he is the head coach for the Afri African team, Vietnam. Hi, James. How are you doing? Great, Charlie. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction, and great to be here with you today. And great to have you. Um, you are a very interesting guy. I was um, looking at your timeline of events and everything like that. You've gone from a degree in law to a fitness coach to doing a number of entre- entrepreneurial stuff and then basically making this Rising Star Football Academy. Um, can you give us like a little like start to finish kind of overview of where things started and where you are now? Yeah, absolutely, Charlie. Yeah, uh, so... We brought up in a combination of uh, Ireland and, and England. Uh, when I was very young, from the age up to the age of seven, I was in I was in Ireland, uh, and then moved over to to Birmingham, England. And that was the that was kind of the start of the the, the love for football. I guess and that's a, I guess where the circle starts and ends at, at football. Uh, obviously, had a had a nice, comfortable upbringing and good education, and was able to. Uh, experienced a lot of great football opportunities as, as, a, as a youngster in terms of local football teams but also in a, in the in the Pat Wright School of Excellence where I where I learned a lot of my football in in the United Kingdom and then uh, would, went on to, to study law after a successful education at the Solihull School in the United Kingdom which is a, a private school or was a private school for boys and it was a, a great um, a great start to, to my career great start to life uh, I think everybody really wants to will ask the question or always does ask the question where did it where did it become from going from a law degree back into back to football or into football that, that's probably the most widely asked question and it's one that some people some people smile at and some people look very shocked at in terms of what, why did we make that decision or, or what happened? <laughs> what happened is normally the question, but yeah. I think the, the reason, the reason would be for it is my, my education uh, in terms of VCSEs, A-levels and outside education in terms of fitness, fit, fitness instructor and fitness coach education, as well as uh, football coaching badges always led me back to the fact that although all, all types of education are valuable in terms of the law I did was it was a very valuable tool that I've used throughout my my career. Wasn't specialising to, to follow um, all the lessons that you learn from a degree, whether that be any degree that you do, um, are always going to give you certain tools and skills that are going to make you able to to progress. And a law degree is very a very specialist degree, but I've also a very uh, a degree that you don't just study study law. You don't just learn about the law. You learn about the certain aspects of um, characteristic psychology as well that allow you to develop certain tools and skills that are really suited to an entrepreneurial kind of style of uh, lifestyle or, or business lifestyle and that um, was always something I wanted to do and that kind of follows in my father's footsteps um, he was uh, he was a business owner as well yeah and do you believe um, in as you said character and psychology would that um, that would be an image effect when it comes to coaching and reading your players and um, how you'd 
develop these players into good footballers and even good people in a sense like you're able to read what their likes dislikes what makes them move forward what makes them move back yeah absolutely charlie the uh that that also in terms of in terms of law degree but in terms of any kind of education you're going to learn things about yourself and learn things about other people and, and learn things about society culture and all, all, all that kind of aspects of of life so yeah how I work today and it is in terms of getting back in law degree to, to coaching it wasn't a direct route as you mentioned it was uh, I did a few things other than that um, as a, you mentioned I, as while at university I, I studied for my um, fitness instructor um, qualifications which was uh, again something I was interested in it was maybe a, a precursor to the, to the football coaching who knows and then I was involved in some entrepreneurial businesses, a couple successful, a couple not so successful, also always lessons learned along the way. Uh, For sure. One, one that was probably my first one was uh, Eccentric Fashion Collections, which was a, a, a very, a, a really interesting journey and one where I learned a lot of lessons along the way. So I think it's probably important to, to mention that one. Uh, it was about trying to bring together a group of organically, environmentally friendly ethically sourced um, fashion or not even presently fashion but consumable goods for for the for everybody to buy in, in one place and yeah it was uh, it was a really the, the idea was 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 fantastic it was and it, and it could work well but it was obviously the, the missing element was that i was quite a young entrepreneur and probably needed a lot more money than i had to actually make yeah. it work but until you actually do that you, you don't really know so it was a you know very valuable lessons learned in, in that idea and then from that onwards I kind of decided that although I the idea for that business was good I needed to focus in on something that I had a real real passion for uh, and that would and that was bought and there was a couple of other things along the way but I think that that's where I really came back to football and that's what really excited me, invigorated me, made me want to be always be add value. Yeah, so I think a, a really important aspect of why I ended up back in back at football was because I thought it was it was the, the one not the one thing but something that really inspired me, really uh, lit a spark in me and, and, and I believe that through all the other lessons that I'd learned through working in uh, in businesses and also uh, creating businesses that that was where I, I really wanted to spend my time I wanted to spend the majority of my working life in, in something that I really had a passion for and I think that's really important to remind people of that if you have a passion for something you, you're going to work something that you love because um, you know life is life is special and you got to fill it with the things that you really want to do and not do things that if you can, that is, and, and not do things that you're just doing for the sake of it. So that's really important. And that's, that's kind of what led me to football rather than pursuing a, a legal career, which I know that obviously may well have led me down different paths, might have had different experiences, but I can guarantee I wouldn't have been as inspired or as happy as I am working in football. Yeah, for sure. There's a quote definitely that is used. Like, if you love what you're doing, you would never work a day in your life, really. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree. The, that fact that you build resilience around the fact you're a football coach in especially during COVID time that mm. um, there's no security compared to maybe a legal 
um, a legal profession where you're it's always going to be a case that you're going to be working, whereas kids were at home, locked down, even here in Vietnam, and mm-hmm. there was no security in that sense. So um, it's just a case of building resilience in that sense. Yeah, so Charlie, you, you are right. And to a certain degree, there is a lot of truth in what you said, but there also need what people need to remember is that in any career, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a salaried employee, much security is you build for yourself. So if you if you know that, yeah, say, oh, I could have been uh, I could have been working in, a, for example, a bank. There's always the potential that something else, it doesn't have to be COVID or another a problem could, could hit the career in the same level of security. But if you, if you build your own security, and what I mean by that is you develop a career that has strong foundations, and you, you work along the right lines in terms of how you progress in your career and, and how you portray yourself and the relationships you build and the work that you do, the security is, is kind of inbuilt in in your actions so if you're say if i was a solicitor uh, or i was a a banker or i was a uh, working in a in a shop if i didn't do a very good job of it the likelihood of my security being high would be low but if i did a good job of it my security is going to be high because yes regardless of the industry if i'm if i'm well known for doing a good job of um, known for being an expert in my field and reliable, honest, so on and so forth, resilient, um, you're more likely to be able to, to build, to, if something does go wrong in a specific position, that you're going to be able to get another position um, just due to that authenticity and, and the quality that you bring to the position. So, yes, there, there could have been more security in another career, but I don't, or I don't fully agree with that. I think you build your own security. Um, through how you act and how well you do the job yeah it's definitely as well just to pull it into the coaching aspect of um pulling these kind of self-belief systems and resilience into young footballers in a sense yeah um especially as i said COVID time um i've read a lot of articles about kids aren't as resilient these days compared to maybe your generation or my generation where you we knew that football was going to happen every Monday. We didn't have social media. We just had our football. We had our friends and we just played. And this generation mm. is definitely very different to what we've experienced. So what would you, how do you think that we can build more resilience in these young footballers coming back into normal playing situations? Yeah, it's, it's always, I find it, difficult to always to to compare historical aspects of of childhood to to the current context okay yeah obviously we can we can comment on our own experiences when we were young uh, yes in terms of football but not only in terms of football but in terms of life in terms of education work where where, was everybody resilient uh I don't, I can't, I can't say yes, because obviously I remember, I can only speak for myself. I know that I was always somebody who looked at, for the positives, always looked for the fact that if something was, went wrong or something failed, okay, I can do better at it. Uh, But also I knew of friends or you saw children at the same time or adults who 
who probably didn't look at it in that in that respect. Um, is it different now? <sighs> From you know, from an outside, in terms of somebody who's older, they say as you get older, you have, you, you get wiser. I'm not sure <laughs> if you can you can get wiser, but you definitely gain more experience. Hopefully, you potentially get wiser if you are of the mentality and the character to become wise. Um, I look at some students, and I believe that there are lots of resilience within those students. Um, but then I would look at others and say there, there was a lack of resilience. Um, but does that does that equate to the same proportionality as as when I was a, a child in the in the late eighties, nineties, early noughties? It's difficult to say without any quantitative data. Uh, yes, social media plays a, a massive part in allowing people to have a different release from the world. But was that video games when 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 we were growing up? Uh, you know, that's that's a. That's a question that probably is, it really is a difficult one to answer because I remember, you can probably remember when you were growing up, Charlie, and I certainly do, not specifically my parents, but other people would say, oh, back in our day, we would have done this. And we would For have sure, yeah. That. And yeah, that's true. Obviously, there were, there are more, there are, there were differences, there were more difficulties, there were more challenges. Uh, but there were, there were probably just different challenges. Yes, we're very lucky. We grow up in a developed society whereby we are provided with a lot of things. And it's especially in the United Kingdom and Ireland. Yes, barring COVID, uh, everybody's got the opportunity for a great education. There's great sports on offer, so on and so forth. Um, but there are, still, there are still problems that exist for, for, for children and adults. And it's not easier, I don't think. I just think that things have changed in terms of the focus is of what build resilience in terms of how those failures impact on, on children and on the adults. So how do we build resilience as football coaches? We just have to provide an environment that allows children to understand that it's, it's okay to fail. It's okay to, to ask for help uh, when you do, when you do fail so that you know how to succeed. It's important for, for players, students, young people, and adults to know that it's okay to ask for help uh, mm -hmm. because a lot of people think, oh, resilience is about trying to figure it out on your own and, and be better and be strong. Yeah, that, but that doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Yeah, you've got to have good coaches, you've got to have good teachers, you've got to have parents, you've got to have peers that you look up to and people that that help you along the way to become resilient and show you that yes we can make mistakes but it's not how that it's not the mistake that defines is it how we react to it and, and how what we do next um, that's an important aspect because yes I believe that there is a greater opportunity for us as coaches and teachers and role models and everybody who young people interact with to to show them that yes try new things or we should try things and we shouldn't sit within our comfort zone because if we do we're not going to grow and that's important that we make sure that we set that environment and that environment should be a balance of academics and sport and other elements not just sport in terms of the arts music performance uh, lots of other aspects of life and a balanced and what's the word i'm looking for a balanced and uh, i think of things that we do many things 
But um, as you said about um, putting all that together, as um, as of course you have your own football academy, Rising Star, and mm. of, and of course you are a coach educator with the Football Federation of Australia, tying both uh, the young kids and the adults into effect. How would you um, teach that culture in both uh, in both aspects within your academy and as an educator for coaches themselves? Uh, so I think that. Again, it comes down to the, the same the same perspective. It's all about environment and it's all about culture. If you provide an environment where it's safe to speak up, it's safe to take risks, it's safe to try and not be vilified for trying and failing, then you are going to create an environment whereby people will learn. If you create an environment where you are the so for example i'm a coach and everything revolves around me then and that that applies in the classroom in terms of a coach education element or it applies out on the field as a as a coach then people are going to struggle to create not only an environment where they become resilient but an environment where they learn but if the focus is on the the players or the coaches in the room who want to learn. So it's a player-centered environment or yes. conversely, a learner-centered environment. You are going to create opportunities for the learners to try to attempt and to be able to achieve. So I think, and, and quote me fully on this, but <laughs> they say that the ability to, to learn comes from the person who shows it, a demonstrates it. Sorry, so if I was a coach, I would show it, if yeah. I was to speak it, show it, demonstrate it, and then allow the student to try it for themselves and then provide feedback upon that so that they, the student can then grow further. Yes. I think that's, that's the way to provide a, an environment and a culture whereby everybody can learn and should learn. Uh, obviously, that also depends on the learner themselves, how much they want to buy into the learning process. Yes. Everybody has to want to be there. So there's no good an environment whereby a student or a learner has been forced to be there for a specific reason. I say forced or, or feels like they're not there for of their own full choice. So it's really important yes. that learners are there because they really want to be there. And I think that's a, another thing that I found throughout this time. In youth football, coach education, senior football, if you've got players, students, learners who are in the room or on the field and they have a desire to be there, then you're going to get a lot more out of them. Yeah, definitely for coaching, um, as myself, even on the field, um, it's a, a fact of making them self-taught in a sense and op making open questions and make them question what they're learning and make their um, their psychology to be able to develop that once they get up to adult level as in being able to ask those questions openly and give that environment off so they actually learn and they learn themselves in a sense as well because they'll be able to develop that even further as they get older yeah you're absolutely right you're right Charlie and I think another element that I think I left out there is the fact that Learners need to understand that what they learn in, in the classroom or on the field in, in a specific targeted session is not, all, is not all they should be learning or all they should be doing towards their progression. They should take that away. They should look at 
okay, I've learned this in class, or I've learned this on the field today with coach. How can I go and practice that myself? How can I go and attempt to improve that by playing with my friends? Or there needs to be more than just the time that's spent on, on the football field. And, and that comes from a multitude of different environments, uh, playing with friends, practicing alone, practicing with, with peers, practicing with parents, practicing with one-to-one -one coaches. Um, and I think I said it, practicing alone yeah. is really important as well. Uh, so students of all levels, all ages need to be open to the fact that the, the onus is on them, as you said. Uh, we are the facilitators more than the teachers. We yeah. need to provide an environment where and then go and take what they learn in a, in a targeted environment away and try to add more value to that by individual practice or individual information or knowledge that it can get from a multitude of uh, multitude of avenues or multitude of people or different avenues by watching watching football playing football watching videos and so forth but then actually practicing it as well yeah for sure and looking at rising star myself it's a very multicultural aspect like there's kids that are that are different nationalities in itself in vietnam and it's you obviously you have an ethos within Rising Star that it has its own culture. But if you were to, let's say, look at commonalities of the culture you've built with Rising Star compared to maybe your coaching in South Korea or in um, in Bangladesh, even with a senior team, your assistant coach with uh, Mohammedan Sporting, is there? Um, could you see commonalities and differences within the learners? in a sense, or like grassroots level, or is it a sense that the kids are basically the same, but um, just different, different aspects to work on? I think that uh, if you look at, a, if, you, if, you, if you took a sphere and you cut through the middle of the sphere, you would see the elements and then you looked at the layers and you looked at the different quadrants, you'd find that all people, regardless of nationality, uh, ge geographically, uh, regards to race, color, um, sex, we're all the same. I say when we're all the same is that means that wherever you are in the world, you're going to get people who feel, think, act the same wherever you are. So I don't believe it changes whatsoever wherever you are coaching in the world. I think it remains the same. What is important to note is that it doesn't matter if you're in Bangladesh, Vietnam, England, South Korea, Australia, South America, you will find players who are exceptionally talented. You will find players who are exceptionally hardworking. You will find players who are sometimes lazy. You will find players who are highly intelligent in the game. You will find players who are in the middle and different quadrants, different spheres. But what you must do to get the most out of all players at any level and i don't believe this only applies to to football this applies to all industries is you have to think about the person first it's about the individual so if you can create a, a relationship a rapport or you can understand the person and what drives them and what they want to achieve then you're going to be able to help them more than just trying to reach out to their footballing skills and trying to improve their tactical knowledge or their technical knowledge. First of all, 
you have to know the person. And that goes from student in Rising Star Football Academy to adult player in African team or Mohammedan Sporting Club or coach in Football Federation Australia coaching courses. If you can understand the person first and then try to add football knowledge, you will you'll be more successful. But if you are if you don't care about the person, then whatever you try to do will have limited effect because you have no relationship with that person. You have no rapport with that person. When they're listening to what you're saying or they're watching what you're demonstrating, they're they're thinking, if you haven't created a relationship, uh, I'm not really bought into this. But if you've created a relationship and you, I say create a relationship, you've got rapport that you've taken time to speak to them, you've got take taken time to get to know them, then they're already more bought into what you're saying because they are oh, this this coach is he, he cares. He, he's thinking about me. It's not just about it's not just about the team. And everyone said oh, it's all about team, but it has to be about the person as well because if they don't feel like the coach or the person, the manager cares about them they won't care for for you and they won't care for the team so the old and i and i think that that's become more prevalent in football and and business over the last 20 to 30 years and i think it's a commonality between those who are successful and who those who aren't so hopefully i'm not giving away all the key secrets but i think it's pretty <laughs> obvious now um, that that has to be done and it has to be a major part of it but you have to be good at it. It's okay me saying, oh, this is why, this is how you do it or this is why you should do it. Not everybody's capable of doing that. Not everybody's capable of, of sitting down and having a conversation and getting to know the person first and persevering when the person um, maybe doesn't get it right or maybe the person isn't having a, a great time. And some people will avoid those conversations because it makes them feel uncomfortable. But as a good coach, as a good educator, as a good leader, you have to be able to, to do it. And that's something I think I'm pretty good at. And that's probably one of the, the reasons why I, I feel that I've been as successful. But with, with lots more success to come, hopefully, yeah. um, that's one of the reasons that uh, I think we've been able to do it. And sorry to babble on, but I think if you go back to when I started Rising Star Football Academy uh, with my colleagues in, in Korea, the the mission statement for, for Rising Star Football, which is I think really ties into that. And maybe I didn't really understand it fully at the time, but it was obviously a, maybe a subconscious thing. Um, maybe it was a, an unconsciously competent area in terms of the con, uh, the conscience, uh, conscience, quite good. Uh, the the <laughs> conscience uh, quadrant is something I like to talk about a lot, the conscience quadrant. But I believe now it's uh, become consciously competent. And the, the mission statement at that time was right. We, our mission is to inspire every rising star. So and that went back to the individuality of, of individual rising stars. So no matter age or ability, we wanted for every person in the academy to, to be inspired. And that was our job more than anything. It wasn't. It wasn't to coach, it wasn't to teach, it wasn't to create, create great teams, it was to, to look at the individual. So I do look that back on that as a quite a poignant moment. Uh, and I think now as, a, as hopefully an older, wiser, more educated, more experienced coach, instead of it being an unconsciously competent thought, it's a consciously competent thought, whereby I believe that every time I meet someone, be that an employee, be that a player, be that student, I'm trying to inspire them to achieve their goals and trying to inspire them to be better, trying to inspire them 
to do more or add more to what they already have. So yeah, yeah. That, that would be the, the big point in building resilience, inspire yeah. every as yeah, definitely. Um like looking at the kids, it's inspiring them because you see just kids, oh I want to be the next Ronaldo, I want to be the next Messi. Um some of them just don't even they're like, oh I just like playing. They're like there's so many different aspects of kids and it's always be targeting their goals rather than your own your own external goals and fairness it's all about different um motivations whether it's ex- intrinsic or extrinsic extrinsic in a, in a sense some of them are there just to get the money some of them are there for the love of football depends yeah. and it's yeah, always exactly. the case i, I think most of the students now always keep telling me that they want to become the next Owen Dolan. So <laughs> he's one of our coaches at Rising Star. So uh, well, just... well, they better start working on their left foot because he doesn't have yeah. one. God bless him. Uh, well, he scored a very good goal uh, mid-season with his left. I think yeah. He just switched. I get it now, but, we'll yeah. double take it as a fluke in fairness. <laughs> uh, good stuff, yeah. But um, yeah, I, as I, I see in the background, you have your African team, Vietnam. And yeah, yeah. And as you said, going about inspiring and everything like that, you these guys are semi-professional and they're on the cusp of prof- getting a professional contract. So you're maybe their shining light to get on that that ticket to professionalism. Yeah. So a lot of the the African team, Vietnam people would say, well, what's that? Um, hopefully, I can I'll do a, a very quick job of explaining what it is. Uh, the African team, Vietnam, has probably been in existence for about fifteen years. So it's not something that I set up. It's something that um, professional footballers in Vietnam set up, as I said, about 15 years ago as a training place when the league wasn't in, wasn't on in terms of it was in a break. Or if, for example, players um, had got injured or were between contracts, so a place where they could train where and, and make sure that they could keep up to uh, not only just their fitness, but ensure that they were ready to, to play when there was another opportunity that came, came along. Uh, I think over the over the times it's developed also into a place whereby players that come over from different countries and it's not just Africa, it's South America, it's Europe, it's um, other Asian nations and their players come as a, as aspiring professionals and not not always as fully flown fully fledged professionals, but also involving players who are who had played in, in Vietnam or played in Asia and. I'm moving around looking for, for, for a contract. And I got involved in that about six years ago now and became the head coach there, I believe, at the start of 2017, I think, or maybe 2018. And uh, we've uh, developed, uh, when we say professional or semi-professional, we've developed an environment that is professional in that the amount we train and, and in terms of the, the tutelage and, and coaching that we give to the players and We've had success in being able to help players move on to, to professional contracts, but the African team itself is, is self-funded by the players uh, to provide their own training equipment, provide their, their own field uh, in terms of, so everybody has to pitch in to pay. Um, we've got some, some great sponsors and donors who, who provide, provide money for the team to, to help us um, provide uh, just the basic elements, um, but uh, unfortunately, the, the players, the players still are, are, are striving to for that. Not unfortunately, fortunately, they have a place that they're able to train, so they can strive for that uh, element of getting a, a professional contract. But most of them are still amateurs, or or have been uh, are, are between 
between contracts. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great place for me to learn as a, as a coach as well. When I came in 2015, I had some senior coaching experience, um, but most of it was, was playing. And then I was able to uh, get involved in the African team and really develop my own coaching knowledge and coaching ability and, and tactics as well in terms of not just tactics on the field, but <clears throat> how to get the best out of players. So it's been a great place for me as well as for, as well as for the players being able to uh, provide an environment whereby they improve and, and potentially and hopefully go on to, to better, better things and contracts around the world. Has there been any recent uh, signings, professional signings? <laughs> Yeah, there's been there's been a few. So uh, let's say in the recent year, uh, two of our players from African team went to, to Bangladesh, uh, which obviously is a, a connection of mine uh, into the into the team whereby I was coaching uh, in, in Dhaka before COVID. Um, that was uh, Mohamed uh, Abiola Nurat and Munzia Kuludiati. Um, Mohamed from uh, Nigeria and Munzia from Burkina Faso. Those two are the most recent signings. And then, so those have been in the last year. And then there have been opportunities for other players to, to trial and train with clubs in Vietnam. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the, the inability for, for, for movement, international movement, because of COVID has, has limited some of, some of the other opportunities. But interestingly, another player <clears throat> who used to train with us in, in Vietnam, um, who moved to Myanmar to play, has recently <clears throat> also gone to Bangladesh, um, Yasan Wachin, uh, which is great. He's done a good job there. And the two I've nearly forgot about, let's best make sure I mention them, who were here not so long ago. Um, Manu Nanga moved to Spain to play in uh, Alec County, which is maybe in the fifth fifth tier. But then when COVID hit, he moved back to Cameroon and now playing in League One in Cameroon. Nice. And Leslie and Chanji, he again was a combination of, he studied in the US, went to Cameroon, and then trained with us in Vietnam. And then was recently, I say recently, probably in the last six months, moved back to Cameroon again. And there's also five, five players within this year who have been able to you, you, uh, take the platform of African Team Vietnam and go on and further their ambitions, so to speak. I don't know if they're finished. I don't know if they're happy with where they're at, but let's hopefully they can keep kicking on and doing more. For sure. And um, for the future for yourself, what's your ambition? Is a, Would you like to take on another professional team? Are you happy to keep as, well, you'll always be technical director of Rising Star, but maybe even to develop that more? Or what's the ambition? What's the ambition? So Rising Star is uh, something that's been with me now for, for 12 years, 13 years. Uh, it's, it's something that will always be, be part of what I do. Um, my role in it over the years is, has, has changed in terms of how much involvement I have and, and the people who are around me. We've got great people around me uh, who, have, who have worked to, to develop the, the academy as well. So up until recently, we had uh, Andrew Cronin and Grode Byrne in, uh, in Korea who were, who were running, running the show in Korea. But uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of became smaller because of the, the limitations of, of what was going on there. But fortunately in, in Vietnam, we've been able to, to maintain our, 
maintain our position. And, and Matthew O'Brien does a, a great job as assistant technical director. And he's really the, the man on the ground in terms of making sure that our, our standards are set and, and kept high and, and the things we do are always of quality. And obviously we've got great coaches like yourself uh, and Owen and Sammy and Tin who work incredibly hard and there are lots of part-time coaches who are involved as well. And yeah, will I always be involved? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll always be involved. And is there any real ambition to, to expand the academy now? Not at this time, not, not during these COVID times, but we're pretty happy with what we're doing and the impact that we're having um, in terms of being able to provide a great environment for students to learn. We're still having success in terms of the games we're playing and the players being able to, to enjoy that and, and develop their ability, but also other successes in terms of we've seen players who have been part of the Rising Star Academy now go on to, to join professional academies in Europe and, and have extend their career and expand their career. So that's been really important over the last last year to six months. We've seen we've seen those kind of that hard work of not only of the players but of the coaches. We've we've seen that realize some ambitions, some dreams of some of the players. That's really important. Um, we would hope that we would uh, get our summer tour, our famous summer tour. We'll be back on in 2022, all being well. Yeah. We did six years of summer tours. Uh, Charlie, you haven't experienced one yet, but hopefully if you're still with us in 2022, then you'll get to, get to experience the Rising Star Summer Tour. That'll be a really important uh, opportunity for the Academy. Uh, we'll be traveling over to uh, to Spain in 2022, staying at the, the Desert Springs Resort. Uh, we're not sure which tournament we'll compete in yet. Obviously, that depends on, on how COVID plays out. And this is all, all COVID dependent. Yeah. But yeah, the Rising Star will always, will always be a part, but maybe in terms of my direct involvement, I it's been a, a long time since I coached the under sevens. When I say a long time, maybe two two years. Uh, <laughs> but I always enjoy popping in and out and doing sessions. But my my regularity in terms of being fully on on the field it, it has become a little bit more sporadic. But obviously coming along and making sure that the coaches are doing all the right things and, and being a being a, a sounding board for coaches and players is always important. But my own ambitions uh, ultimately. My, my ambition has always been to take a, a national team to a, to a major championship. Uh, so how close or how far away I am from that, sure, at this stage. Um, obviously, there's, there's always interest uh, for me to go and coach places, but it has to be at the right place at the right time. I am still actively involved in Mohammedan Sporting Club as, as, as a, an assistant coach there. Yeah. But that has had to be remotely over the last season. Thankfully, uh, I've been accepted to do my AFC Pro license. Uh, so that will be a, a focus for me in the, in the next couple of years. So, so it's a two-year course. Um, I'm full of, thoroughly looking forward to doing my Pro license. It's something that's been an ambition of mine for, for the last, since I completed my A license. Um, and that kind of that appetite for 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 betterment and, and knowledge um i think it's really important that you always try to to put yourself in situations that challenge you and i'm really looking forward to the pro license because i hope i really hope it's going to challenge me more to think think uh, more constructively more reflect and be able to reflect even further on my own uh, my own coaching style and, and hopefully improve as well. That's, that's something that we all have to look to do consistently. Yeah. Because there are always areas for improvement. 
and then, then you yeah, yeah and then you can re- that can reflect on us as coaches then in the academy of course yeah exactly and, and you know so if i'm growing in knowledge hopefully i'm able to provide and pass on and disseminate that knowledge to, to our coaches within the academy as well yeah that's absolutely true uh, and then hopefully the there's obviously opportunities in, in bangladesh for for next season covid dependent being able to travel there and then hopefully again obviously it would be far more convenient and easy for me if there was opportunities in vietnam so there are always rumors and rumblings of the opportunities that might be coming in vietnam in terms of the v league v league 1 v league 2 <coughs> excuse me so let's hope that some of those materialize in in, in the next couple of years and That'd be a really fantastic thing to do because ever since I've arrived in Vietnam, it's it's an ambition of mine to coach in the V League, not just because it's football, it's because I believe I can add add something to the football in Vietnam and hopefully get Vietnam into the World Cup in the in the next maybe the next three cycles. Maybe that's not directly by me coaching the, the Vietnamese national team, but by being able to have an impact on the on the league system. That would that would be fantastic. But longer term, who knows, Charlie? I want to yeah. be involved in professional football. Uh, I want to be, I want to make sure the academy still gives an opportunity for great education for, for footballers and, and provides a foundation for their dreams and to inspire them not only as footballers, but as people and as students. Uh, and then, as I said, the, the main ambition is to, to take a national team to a major championships, be that an AFC national, cha- an AFC nations t- tournament, an OFC tournament, anything, uh, uh, UEFA, who, who knows? Who knows, a World Cup even, but that, that would be my dream. And obviously when you get there, you've got to represent yourself well and, and do well. But those are the dreams, those are the aspirations, and you've got to keep working towards them every day. And I think that would be a, a real key message to, to coaches and students. Players, set your dreams, but you might say, oh, that's some dreams. And when, when you're starting out on your on your journey, you might say, oh, well, that's unachievable. But if you set, a, set, set an ambition, set a dream. Small then, goals make a bigger bigger yeah and then along the way make sure that you set out achievable tangible things that you can achieve along the way year by year five years ten years then you'll slowly chip away at that big mountain and if you're committed to it and you've got and you've got the right not only the right attitude but the right values and you do the right things in terms of applying yourself application is important Uh, and the basic things being on time being disciplined being reflective being open to feedback then you will get there and i've got no doubt that my ambition of coaching a national team at major championships and doing well will will be achieved um whether it's in the next five years 10 years or 20 years uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure i'll get there and get it done thank you james for joining me on the podcast i look forward to seeing your future and endeavors um, if you'd like to follow james's journey you can follow him on instagram at coach james McAloon. If you're interested in finding out more about the Football Academy here in Vietnam, uh, you can find them on Instagram at risingstar underscore RSFA. Tune in again next week, guys. Um, We'll have more guests and more analysis on everything to do with sport here at Simply Sport Content Podcast. Cheers.